You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. said, I'm always blessed. I'm always excited with the opportunity to preach the gospel and, and to bring the word on a Sunday morning. Uh, and I don't know about y'all, but the series that we've been in, Breakthrough, um, I've just been super blessed by this series. Uh, not that series before weren't good. This one has just hit me in a different way. Every single week, we're, we've been, we're four weeks in. This is week four, but all three weeks that we've been in, Pastor Don, Dustin has just brought the heat and he is uh, just preach so hard and it is just I feel like elevated me to just a different different level giving me some breakthrough opportunities and moments to um to just end my walk with Jesus and I hope you guys have been blessed the same uh last Sunday Pastor Dustin talked out of uh spoke out of John chapter 5 he recalled so in this story there's a uh, a crippled man uh, sitting beside a pool, and this pool was believed to be stirred up by an angel. The first person into the pool after the stirring was healed. Whatever ailment that they had, uh, from leprosy to physical ailments uh, or to like you know uh, disabilities, whatever the case was, they got in the pool first. They were going to get healed and be fine. But Jesus approaches this man, and uh, that's what Pastor Justin spoke on last last week. And he hit us with three hard hitting questions, and that related to what Jesus interacted with this guy. He said, "Do you want it?" So we have to want, when we have an experience with Jesus, we have to want God to move in our hearts, right? If we don't want it, then we're going to miss it, right? We're just going to look over and we're going to stand in the way of that. But do you want it? And that's something that Jesus, he asked the guy, he said, what do you want? Like, do you want to be healed? And then he asked us, what's your excuse? The, the crippled man in the story, he said, I have no one to push me into the pool, no one to put me in the pool. And, uh, he, we can so often as Jesus followers just kind of crutch on these excuses and say, well, I can't do that because of this, but I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus is greater than those excuses. Amen. Uh, and then he said, are you ready to move? One of my favorite things that Jesus does consistently is when he heals someone specifically with a, uh, like a mobility type thing, he says like, get up your, pick up your mat and walk. And he, he tells people, to move like, hey, I've given you the ability, get up and move. Same thing with us. Oftentimes when we seek out that uh, that moment with Jesus and that interaction with Jesus, there's a fly up here. Uh, that's going to be great on the website. I'm going to start just dodging things. Um, but uh, <laughs> when we have an interaction with Jesus, uh, he tells us, all right, your life's been changed, but now you have to move. And oftentimes, we kind of expect other people to do things. We've got to get in the game, right? So that's what uh, those are the three things that Pastor Dustin hit us with, um, and I, that just blessed me to pieces last week, and it was awesome. Um, but this series, we've come to the understanding that true that a true encounter with Jesus leads to life change and breakthrough. And this morning, I want us to understand that through those very same encounters with Jesus, God can break through our brokenness. Each of us have things that, that have broken us over time and that have molded us into how we kind of view things and how things shape our lives. And we put up these guards a lot of times, but Jesus is greater than those. Amen. Jesus can break through the brokenness. And that's the title of our, uh, our message this morning. God can fix our brokenness. 
We're going to be in Luke chapter 19. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn that direction. We'll jump into that in just a minute. But what I want to communicate as we head into this, along the idea of God can fix our brokenness, understand this. God is not in the business of fix a flat. He doesn't own stock and duct tape. He doesn't just put a cover or a band-aid on things. God is in the business of complete and utter restoration. Wherever you're broken, however you're broken, God can step into that situation. He can break through that brokenness, break through that situation, and completely and utterly restore you. I don't know about you, but who better to restore me than who has the original blueprints? Amen. He knows every hair on my head. He intimately knows every molecule in my being. Who better to restore me from my brokenness that sin brings on than the man, the God, Jesus, who has the blueprint, who was there from the start. So we're going to be in chapter 19. We're going to hit, uh, hit a story about a man named Zacchaeus. All right, Zacchaeus is pretty well known if you grew up in church. Um, you probably remember the little like jingle, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. Um, I don't know about y'all. I wouldn't necessarily want like my historical remembrance to be my like small stature. I'm not big. I'm not a tall guy. I am big, but I'm not a tall guy. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I wouldn't necessarily want that. But we're going to dive into Zacchaeus a little bit. And, but we're also going to surround this story with a couple things that I think Jesus did very strategically around this story. And we're going to highlight those things. So chapter 19, Luke chapter 19, verse 1. We're going to go through verse 10. Let's read it. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was. He was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran out ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him. For he was about to pass through the way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up to him and he said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for today. I must stay at your house. And he hurried down and came down and received him gladly. And then moving on to verse seven, when they saw it, they began to grumble. The people around, they began to grumble. They said, he's gone to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, behold, Lord. Half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I'll give it back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for that last line. That you come to seek and to save which is lost. Because, Lord, everyone in this room has been lost or is lost. At some point in our life, we, we've all fallen short of your glory and we've been separated from you and we need you. So, God, I just pray that this morning you speak through your word. You use my voice to, to communicate what you have for us to hear. Let not anything that, that is my personal thoughts be said, but only what you have to be heard. Let that soak into our hearts. Loose me this morning to preach full-fledged for your glory and soften our hearts and our ears to hear and accept that. Lord, we want you to move this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So, like I said, I kind of want to surround this story. Jesus did something in verse or in chapter 18 that I think is very strategic. Um, so we just read a story about Zacchaeus, and we're going to highlight some of that, but we're going to jump back into 18 a little bit too. But what my first point today is different situations, same Jesus. Different situations, same Jesus. So we're going to jump back to Luke 18, 35, and we're going to highlight this story real quick. It says, as Jesus was approaching Jericho, so in 19, he got into Jericho, and that's where he met Zacchaeus. In Luke 18, he's he's approaching Jericho, so he's on the way. A blind man was sitting by the road, and he was begging. Now, hearing a crowd going by, he began to inquire what this was. They told him that Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth was passing by. So he called out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way were sternly telling him to be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And what did Jesus do? Jesus stopped and he commanded that the man be brought to him. When he came near, he questioned him. He said, what do you want me to do for you? Again, do you want it? Going back to Pastor Dustin's first point last week, do you want it? He said, what do you want me to do for you? And he said to the Lord, Lord, I want to regain my sight. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has, been, has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight, began following him, glorifying God. And when all the people saw this, they gave praise to God. Hallelujah for his move in people's life and his breakthrough. So here we see this poor beggar on the side of the road heading in or heading into Jericho on the side of the road crying out to Jesus. Then we get into Jericho and we see a, a very wealthy man named Zacchaeus who is also trying to encounter Jesus. He's trying to, to see Jesus. Um, different brokenness, completely different brokenness. The brokenness of the blind man completely wrapped up in his lack of sight. Consequently, in a complete, similarly, but com- completely different way, Zacchaeus was broken as well, also kind of driven by his lack of sight because he was small in stature. I think that's important for us to understand that it says that uh, that Zacchaeus couldn't see, right? Jesus just healed a blind man, but Zacchaeus also couldn't see. I think that's important. I think that's, that's important to, to see these two things back to back, and I think strategically God put those things together. So then there's some similarities. <clears throat> Both were determined to encounter Jesus. Now Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus decided he was going to climb a sycamore tree. He can't see Jesus. He can't experience who this, he's heard about Jesus. He can't experience who Jesus is because he's so short, because the crowd's big. So he climbs up a tree. But the poor beggar, he hears the rumblings going on. He says, what's going on? They say, Jesus is coming through. He says, oh man, I know who Jesus is. I've heard the stories. He's done things for people like me. Jesus, Jesus, come help me. And people are like, stop, stop, he's busy. Shh. He's like, no, Jesus. He cries out louder, even louder is what it says. And Jesus comes over and they have an encounter with Jesus. Both were determined to have an encounter with Jesus. There was some drive in there. Another thing that I want us to hit and to understand is, um, let me go back to my notes here, is is there's a difference here. And I think this shows the broad spectrum of, of what Jesus does and how he works. And I think this is another big reason that he, uh, he did these things back to back. So the blind man called out to Jesus. He cried out to Jesus. 
he initiated conversation with Jesus. But Jesus did something completely different with Zacchaeus. The Bible never tells us, Luke never tells us that Zacchaeus was calling to Jesus from the tree. It says that Jesus looked at Zacchaeus. Jesus looked at Zacchaeus. So what I want to communicate to you this morning is wherever you are on the spectrum, wherever you are in crying out to Jesus or maybe just sitting in your brokenness and curious, He can reach you where you're at. Remember, God is in the position and the business of restoration and He can fix you and He will take you where you are and restore you. So no matter what the brokenness is, he will reach into it, he will break through, and he will usher in um, restoration. We have to want a move from God to truly experience the fullness of that move. Both the blind man and Zacchaeus wanted to experience Jesus. So there's some similarities and differences. There's another similarity, and I'm not going to make a lot of friends with this one, okay? There's another similarity in this story, in these two stories, that breaks me to my core. That breaks me to my core. Verses 18, or chapter 18, verse 39. Those who led the way were sternly telling him to be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, son of David. Then jumped to 19, verse 7. When they saw it, they began to grumble saying that he is gone to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. What breaks me to my core this morning and has for a long time, I grew up pretty much in the church most of my life, and I've seen it firsthand. And I have a pastor that I grew up under, so I'm going to say what he used to say when he said something that might hurt some feelings. Go ahead and like wind in your little feeler antennas so you don't get your feelings hurt. Why do we stand in the way of someone else's breakthrough so often? We do it. It's just, it's just a fact. It happens throughout history. People that follow Jesus or claim to follow Jesus often stand in the way of other people's connection and broke, or breakthrough. Why do we do this? And that's my point. We have to stop standing in the way of other people's breakthrough. We, me, and you, we as a church, Big C, have stood in the way and tried to snuff out the breakthrough that God is bringing into others' lives for a long time. And it's something that we've dealt with. Jesus spoke to this when he was here. John 8, 7, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. The woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now, they didn't bring the man out. That's a whole different sermon, a whole different story. But they didn't bring the man out who was also caught in adultery. But they brought the woman out. And Jesus stood up. He said, if you, don't, if you haven't sinned, go ahead. Because he knows that's something that we deal with. Is standing in the way of someone else's breakthrough. Of, of kind of pushing down and compressing what God is doing in other people's lives sometimes. It breaks my heart to see that those who were leading the way with the blind man, they told him, stop! He said they were sternly, sternly rebuking him. Why? We've got to stop this. Jesus spoke to this. And then Matthew 3, uh, 7, 3 through 5, uh, most of y'all 
know the, the gist of this verse. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? Pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly and remo to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now listen, we don't wink at sin. We don't sweep sin under the rug and Jesus didn't do that. In fact, with a woman who was caught in adultery, what did he say? Go and sin no more, right? He didn't, he didn't just wink at her sin and say, just go live life how you want to live it. He didn't say that. He rebuked her, but he did so in love, but he protected her. He nourished the breakthrough that was happening in our lives. And us, as Jesus followers, are called to do the very same thing. We are called to reflect Jesus. But we stand in the way sometimes. There's a video I want us to take a, take a peek at, and this video uh, is a couple members of this group called Under Oath. And I grew up, uh, Kyle probably knows a lot about them. A few of you may know. But uh, different style of music than I imagine a lot of people uh, in this room listen to. But um, absolutely loved him in high school and right out of high school. Um, dude, this fly is, I must stink. Um, <clears throat> he was on you, okay. Um, but under oath, they sit down and do this interview called Three Thoughts on Christianity. And uh, so their story is this. Essentially, they were formed out of a youth group in Tampa. And... Uh, they got really famous, really young. Um, early on in their in their existence, they were very um, polished and very uh, precise about their walk with Christ. Everywhere they went, I saw them live, and uh, they shared the gospel. They said, everything that we do is for Jesus. Jesus is the true way to heaven, the true way to hope and eternity. But somewhere along the lines... Well, they broke up. When they came back, they dropped the Christian label. And we see that a lot of times in, in, in different public eye settings where people um, want to do something really, you know, really great for Christ at a young age, and then they grow a little bit and they grow away and whatever the case is. But there are some specific things about people standing in the way of breakthrough that are mentioned in this video that I want us to see. Now, I don't agree with everything in this video. Uh, there are some, they go off on a couple other things, so just kind of, um, but I'll, I'll highlight a couple things after we watch this video. It's a quick three-minute video, so just take a second to watch this. If I was still a Christian, I'd probably be dead. Christ was not a white man. He was not a Christian. He was a Jewish man. He essentially got thrown out of his hometown, and then he was murdered. That, like real fringe stuff. Like everything that we, that, that Christianity was built on was essentially rebellious. Somewhere along the way, modern Christianity became synonymous with being conservative. And I don't know how that really happened. It's that, like they're selling a product. Yeah. It's, like, it's like perfection. You're looking at the really good looking pastor with his wife and his beautiful kids and they seem so happy. It's almost like one of those movies or TV shows where behind the curtains it's really, really ugly but they're almost selling, if you buy into these rules and you follow this and you do what we do, you can also be like this. Modern Christianity is made by people. All modern religions are the organized part of it, right? And I think when you begin to debunk the system, when you begin to ask questions, when you begin to pry the attic door open a little bit, everyone goes, whoa, 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 whoa. 
And I think the reason is because it's man-made and, and woman-made, the only thing we have is the rules, right? So like, you're not allowed to question. Isn't that the funny part? Exactly. You know, they, they tell you that, you know, if you, if you question Christianity, that you're lost. I'll pray for you. You know, that, that just sounds so crazy to me. Like, couldn't someone be happy for you? You want to you enlighten yourself that you want to, like, travel the world and have an open mind. When you believe in the rules and not the reason, then you've got an issue. The Christian community is what ruins Christianity for me. Because when you need help, if you're someone of, of some sort of, you know, supposed to be a role model or some sort of thing, you know, it's very alienating. Like they were putting out magazines about me being a drug addict and stuff. And the whole Christian world was just like, that's the reason why Underworld's breaking up or that's, it's that guy, that guy, you know, like there was no help. No one's, no one's like, Hey man, like what's up, you know, in the Christian world, the place, the places that I was the most accepted and people would listen to me and talk to me and share their stories were the people that weren't Christians. Those were the other bands that we would be on tour with that weren't that way, you know, and, I, and I'm telling these people and, relating to these people that are just normal human beings. You know, like, let's talk about it. But in a Christian man, let's not. And that seem, doesn't that seem opposite? Doesn't that seem like very unloving and very unaccepting? Belief isn't the prison. Expectation is the prison. So I don't know if y'all caught some of the things that I caught. I'm going to hit a couple things. But there's this term in... We probably know it in the Christian world. I don't know how often it's used in the secular world, but it's called church hurt. And what church hurt is, is broken down. It's essentially people that haven't, have had an experience either in a church or with a uh, self-proclaimed Christ follower that has turned them off from ever wanting to ever have an experience with anyone again regarding Christianity. And I hear so often people that have gone through the same thing, who have experienced something negative in church. And I understand sometimes it's misunderstanding. It's just, it's just a misunderstanding. I've, I've experienced church hurt before, personally, and I know some other folks in this room have as well. And I've got to tell you that, that the leadership, I know for a fact the leadership and the pastors here at Impact, we, never, we want to hold true the word of God and never want to wink at sin, and we never will. We will but we will always stand on the grace that God so often gives. And we want to strive to, to, to hold off from or, or to keep church hurt from happening because we want to expedite and to push people towards Jesus. We don't want to stand in their way. But there's, there's a few things that really stood out to me in this video. And the first is the very first line of the whole video. Spencer, the... The, he's the lead vocalist. He has the long, um, long hair. With, oh, they both have long hair. But the bleach blonde hair. And he said, if I were still a Christian, I'd probably be dead. Now, we understand that from, from this side of things, we probably understand that his faith was probably faulty from the beginning. Uh, there's a lot of people that grew up in church, and he did, uh, that just kind of follow it because it's what they know. Uh, they missed the relationship portion of things uh, with Jesus. So all they know is the, the religion aspect, the rules aspect. And they talk about that a lot. But he said, if I were still a Christian, I'd probably be dead. So essentially what he's saying is if I were still like trying to live the rules life, the religion of Christianity, I probably would have given up and I'd be dead. That hurts me to my core. It should hurt us all. 
Then second thing that stood out to me, also said by Spencer, um, <clears throat> he says, they tell you if you question the rules that you're lost. I don't know if y'all have ever had that experience in church growing up, that, that you approach someone with a question about why God did something. Or even maybe you approach, you perceive a, um, you know, part of the Bible as, as contradicting another part of the Bible. People come with those questions, and that's awesome. Ask questions, but so often, I personally experience asking a question about something and being told, well, you just clearly just don't believe in Jesus. I'm like, no, I do. I'm just trying to grow in this area. Ask questions. It's crazy to me, just as he said, it's crazy. that's crazy to me. It's crazy. To, I agree. It's crazy to me, too, that we can't ask questions. If you can't ask questions, you can't develop. If you can't find answers to what you're doing, to the reasons why you're doing that, then you, you don't grow and develop. So that's the second thing that stood out to me that I feel like we do so often. And then the third thing, man, this, this one hurt. He says, where is it at? He said, uh, the church, uh, it's the church community that has ruined Christianity. You ever just get like punched in the gut and you lose all of your air in your lungs? I feel like that was what hit me when he said that. Because again, I've experienced other people with the same story. I struggled with this sin and the church told me I was too far gone. Or people told me that, that I was just going to hell because I struggled with this or I struggled with that. Let me tell you something. Sin separates us from God, but there's one sin that sends us to hell, and that's arrogance. That's us refusing to turn our lives to Jesus and to recognize who Jesus is. That is the ultimate sin that will send us to hell. All sin separates, but that's what sends us to hell. If we refuse to recognize Jesus as Savior, and, we, and when we refuse that, what we're doing is trusting in ourselves or others. If we refuse that, that's what sends us to hell. Yeah, adultery separates. Yeah, drug abuse and addiction separates. Yeah, um, slothfulness separates. But you know what else separates, ultimately separates? It's arrogance. Have you ever wondered, have you ever looked back through Scripture, through Jesus' ministry, and wondered why is Jesus so compassionate to the people that deal with the dirty sins. But he's actually kind of snarky with the arrogant people. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever thought about that in Scripture? Where like Jesus is actually kind of snarky with the people who are like, well, look at that sinner. You know, he told the people that brought the, the woman out, he said, if you, have, if you haven't sinned, just throw a stone at her, go for it. And there's, there's questions as to what he wrote in the sand. There's a lot of different views. I love the the idea and the thought of him writing down some of the people who were standing there, their sins. I just, I mean, I don't know if that's, that's not confirmed, but that would be cool. Uh, but often he dealt more harshly with the folks who were arrogant than he did with the folks who struggled with the dirty sins. But we turn it around, don't we? The people that, that struggle with the dirty sins, we, we shun them or we, we cast them off or we tell them, shh, Jesus is busy. Don't worry about him. Don't worry him with that right now. Just, just be good. 
Just clean yourself up, then come. It's the other way around. God will take you in your brokenness and he will piece you back together. Amen? All too often we stand in people's way and we have to stop standing in people's way of Jesus' breakthrough in their lives. Now we don't all do that, but it is a stigma that the church has to shake. And here at Impact, we are committed to trying to shake that stigma. Again, we're not going to sweep sin under the rug. We're not going to, you know, just say we're not going to, we're always going to have accountability, but we're never going to refuse someone. We're never going to refuse someone grace because Jesus never has. Amen. All right. The last thing going back to Zacchaeus and, uh, and this, this blind man on the road to Jericho, uh, a true experience. This is my third point. A true experience with Jesus will result in life change. I know we're kind of a little bit over, over all the, all over the place, but um, this is what we're going to kind of wrap up with. Uh, verses, or chapter 18, verse 43. Immediately he regained his sight. He began following him, glorifying God. This is the blind man, a former blind man at this point. Uh, and when all the people saw this, they gave praise to God. Zacchaeus, uh, in verse 8 of 19, he stopped and he said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I'll give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I'll give it back to him four times as much. See, when you have a life-changing encounter with Jesus, it completely transforms you. And it makes you want to live differently. So understand this. <clears throat> Back to kind of the second point. The rules are an after effect of the change. Amen? The, the rules are in place for us to realize and to look at and realize we can't achieve those separated from Jesus to remind us that we need Jesus. So after we've surrendered our heart to Jesus, they're an after effect of those things. We will be developed, pieced back together, part by part by Jesus, our creator. And a true experience with him will change us. And it changed these two men. Both of these instances, and every instance throughout Scripture, there's someone, when someone has an experience with Jesus, their life is changed forever. The blind man worshiped God. Zacchaeus sought out reconciliation. So when we come into true contact with a living God, with faith and willingness, and we want it, back again to the first question Dustin asked us last week, and we want it with faith and willingness in our hearts, he will move mightily. He will break through and fix our brokenness. I'm going to close with this. Um, there's more to the story in this, in this whole thing. Um, Jesus, uh, Jesus doesn't really stop there. He moves on to tell a parable to the crowd relating around Zacchaeus um, about, about money. But I'm the worship pastor. I'm not the lead pastor. So I'm going to let our lead pastor talk about money. Uh, <laughs> that's a little bit above my pay grade. I'm just kidding. I have no problem talking about money, but I'm going to let him. That's a whole different sermon. Um, but he goes on to tell this parable. But what he kind of transitions with is he says, I've come to seek and to save the lost. I come to seek out and to find those who are willing to accept me. And I'm going to fix them. I'm going to completely restore them to seek and to save the lost. That's what he has come for. So wherever you're at this morning, if you want to go ahead and stand to your feet, wherever you're at this morning, maybe you're like the blind man.
and your response is worshiping Jesus, maybe for the first time, I always try to relate salvation this way. You walk into woods your whole life. And these woods are sin, this forest is sin, and they get thicker and thicker the deeper you go in. And you realize you can't actually get out on your own. But luckily, Jesus is walking around those woods and he's seeking to save the lost. And when we accept him, he turns around and he walks us back out. Sure, there's a few vines and trees that he may chop down immediately. But for the most part, you're walking back out of those woods. Your whole life, you're walking back out of those woods. Salvation does this. We sang this song this morning, my testimony. I love the words. But salvation does this. Death to life. It takes our name out of the book of death, put it and puts it in the Lamb's book of life. Our receipt, our bill has been paid in full. Amen? But then, the next part is sanctification. So you have justification, and that's, that's the part of the song of my testimony. I love that they included that. Uh, by Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. I like... I love it. But then there's sanctification. That's, that's our life. That's walking back out of the woods. That's growing and developing. And Jesus cleaning us up and piecing us back together. And then we'll be glorified once more in heaven with a perfect body. But while we're here on this earth, we're still in sanctification. And we're still in the process of becoming perfect. So we're, that means we're in the process. We're not currently perfect. So we're going to make mistakes. But if you've never been justified, and this morning I want you to experience that. Those are, those are our favorite conversations to have. I'm going to be down here. I want you to come talk to me. If you want to place your faith in Jesus, be justified. Your bill to be paid. The, the sin bill that you've racked up, you want Jesus to pay that. Come talk to us. But maybe this morning, and that's, that's kind of like the blind man who just needed that first encounter with Jesus. But maybe you're kind of like Zacchaeus and you realize maybe you've stood in the way of someone's breakthrough in the past and you need to seek out some reconciliation. Maybe God's laying a person on your heart that you know you've, you've shunned or you stood, you stood in their way in between them and Christ. And you may maybe delayed the breakthrough in their lives. This morning, I want y'all to come to the, the altar and just pray. Ask God for forgiveness of that. And if he so chooses to lay that in your heart, and I believe he will, but to reach out for reconciliation, share the gospel once more. Maybe pick up the pieces that you dropped. But I think there's two responses, and, and God can respond in other ways as well. But are you like the beggar who just needs a touch from God? Are you like Zacchaeus who maybe you've defrauded some people? out of the breakthrough of God in their lives. You need to seek some reconciliation. Either way, an encounter with Jesus will change your life forever. Amen. I'm going to pray for us this morning. And if you have a move in your heart, come pray with me. And we'll end the service after, after all of that. God, we just thank you so much. Thank you that you seek us. And you seek us to save us and to restore us. And God, I want there to be freedom in this room. 
and freedom comes from letting off those chains of sin, whatever those sins are. From the dirty sins or arrogance. Whatever the case is, Lord, speak to our hearts and move in our lives. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. Draw us to those who you have created and built in your image. To those around us. Moving our hearts this morning, we're going to trust the Lord. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.